Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. Here we discuss ideas, share experiences, and stories about L&D-specific topics. I'm Shannon Tipton, owner of Learning Rebels, where we strategically fix training that's broken and develop workplace learning that delivers desired business results. Today, the cool kids are talking about creative problem solving. Now, our previous coffee chat was a bit different. We went into breakout rooms and we worked through a variety of creative problem solving techniques. Now, this led me to our coffee chat today, where we were discussing the so what, now what of creative problem solving. What are our next steps? Here's the thing. We can't solve today's problems with yesterday's thinking. The world is simply evolving too quickly. And as a L&D function, we have to be more innovative and creative in how we treat learning solutions. But we can't just dive into the deep end without our swimming floaties. So today, we are talking about the next steps to prepare us and our stakeholders for more creative thinking. How do we get stakeholders on board with us? How can we put up guardrails to host the most effective sessions? And what is the follow-up plan? So I hope you follow the conversation to the end. There are many ideas shared, and I know you'll be able to take at least one or two and begin using it today. So the big question on the table is, what is the so what, now what, and how can we get stakeholders on board with more innovative thinking? So without further ado, let's get to it. Well, welcome everyone to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Thank you for joining on a long weekend. It's awesome that you guys had either some free time or decided to make some time for this chat. I certainly appreciate it. As I said before, we turned on the recording that I blanked out that this was a Friday before a long weekend. So once again, thank you everyone for joining us today for this creative problem solving part two. So I'm really excited to get into this because our last coffee chat, for those of you who weren't on our last coffee chat, We went through some liberating structures exercises, did some breakout rooms, and it was great fun. And now we're going to carry that conversation forward into the so what, now what? All right, so I guess we should get to it. Let's talk about the so what, now what when it comes to creative problem solving. And the way that I saw this is that it breaks up into three phases. It breaks up into first getting stakeholder buy-in, you know, how do you get people to buy in to actually doing something different when it comes to ideation or any sort of new process, right? So how do you get buy-in to that? Second, a creative problem-solving session should be hosted differently than any other type of session, you know? So what does that mean? What are some of the guardrails that we should put up. Lastly, what's the follow-up? 
right? And I think follow-up fails on a lot of levels. And even just with regular meetings, right? Sometimes we fail in that whole follow-up stage. Who's going to do what? What's come out of this meeting? What are the action items? And when we talk about ideation, follow-up, I said it in the next podcast episode, what happens with the follow-up is that people don't know what the next steps are. They don't know who is supposed to do what or even why they were even there in the first place. And all it does is it makes them angry at you, right? And so we want to avoid that. So those are the three parts that I see as the next so what, now what, in regards to creative problem solving. One of the things that I put in the email that I sent you was that graph, you know, that uh, four quadrant as to where your stakeholders are as far as the interest and influence level. And I'm going to share that with you. And so just, I just, like I said, I just kind of slapped this together a few moments ago because I really wanted to get your input as to where you saw your stakeholders at. And this could be stakeholders who sit outside the team who are looking for ideas or even people within the team. So if you're going to have a creative problem solving ideation kind of meeting and you've got a group of, let's say, 20 people, then where do you think that they sit here? Do you think that they're going to have a high interest in what you're doing Where do you think their influence is? So in other words, where their influence is, is where are they going to take these ideas after the meeting, right? Are they going to be talking about the solutions? Are they going to help you drive those solutions forward or the ideas that you came up with forward, right? So where do you think that they sit? So take a moment and grab the annotation tool. You can think about this from a Majority of the team members are going to be in this quadrant. Maybe majority of them are going to be down here. Maybe it's a half and half, you know, so let's see where the majority of your stakeholders are landing (laughs) in the middle. (laughs) Most of them are in the high interest, low influence and, oh, alternatively, low interest, high influence. (laughs) And I think this is really helpful. So this is helpful because it's going to drive our conversation here over the next hour. You know, you've got people who are really interested in what is happening from an ideation perspective, then maybe their influence is low, meaning they can't really help you move the ideas forward. So what does that mean? So how then are you going to get your ideas to move forward if your team members don't have influence over the areas outside of your four walls. So excellent. So thank you for sharing this. So what do you think then? When it comes to stakeholder buy-in, the other image that I put on the newsletter that just went out is that they sit in five categories, right? So they're either confused, they're willing, they're interested, they're committed. In those buckets then, How do you manage stakeholders when you want to move ideas forward? What are your ideas, your best practices for getting them on board to do something different? You know, it just made me think of in our company. um, Now, we actually are developing training for other organizations. But if there's some 
something that I want to move forward, an idea I want to move forward, I know that there's a couple people that have the ears of the executive. And I happen to be one of those people that just really doesn't have much influence. Maybe I never learned how to have influence or I don't even know. It's part of its personality. So I'm not usually the one that's going to bring, I'll bring an idea forward, but I make sure I talk to the ones who actually have influence Mm -hmm. and get them on my side. And then they actually can move something for me. They can make it progress. So I think it's important to identify those that have influence and be sure to engage with them. Not that you leave everyone else out because they can give you support in other ways, but you definitely have to talk with the ones who have influence. And some, I mean, a friend of mine literally has it. I don't know. She naturally does it. I don't think she's ever not had influence just because of her personality. In fact, she has that personality that has woo in it. When you take a personality test. So right, the strengths finder. That's the strength finder category. I just have found that that's important. If I get her on my side, I have a better chance of something happening. And I like that. You know, so what does that conversation look like? It's always great to have the cheerleaders on your side. And even they need convincing or they need to really understand what it is that you're trying to do. And so... Are you setting up a meeting with them? Are you just getting them in the hallway? You know, what do some of those conversations look like? And what I put up on your screen right now were the different categories that I shared in the last newsletter that I sent out. So these five buckets, your stakeholder is in one of these five buckets. They're either confused, they're interested, they're willing, they're supportive, or they're convinced. And when they're confused, that's when they have a lot of questions. And even if it's that question of, well, why should we be doing this? You know, I don't get it. That's still the confused stage. It's not the, I don't support you stage. It's still a, I'm confused as to why we even want to do it this way stage. And so I like where Connie's going with this is that you're talking to the people who are supportive of you. Start there, right? Build those cheerleaders up so they can start the word of mouth campaign as it were. And so what other techniques do you all have when it comes to working with your stakeholders, especially if they sit down towards that bottom area and you want to say, well, we want to try something different. We want to try creative problem solving. We want to try something from liberating structures. And this is what we want to do in our next meeting. And your stakeholders like, nah, let's just flip chart it. Let's just create a bunch of post-it notes. How do you handle that? I guess I'm not important enough to be talking to the real, real big stakeholders <laughs> in the organization. Yes, you are. Yeah. No. Um, I, I mean, I, I know. I know where I am. You know, just last week we had a team meeting and somebody who was with, you know, some of the big stakeholders, there was resistance on something that we're doing. And he basically did like a quick show and tell and something of her own example and said, okay, well, if you're searching for this, okay, look where it comes up. Okay. Now, if you're following like what we're doing here, you know, you put it in, look at all the things that it populated. And so she suddenly was like, boom, okay, now I get it. And so sometimes I think it's about involving them and Mm -hmm. having them do it, be a part of it. You know, I had put in there kind of like the Dr. Phil, like, how's that working out? Like, what have you done in the past and what were the results? And so I guess I'm in a good place because organizationally, you know, it can be can influence by aligning it with our organizational priorities. Mm -hmm. And some of those are around innovation and around kind of 
approaching things differently and our strategic pillars. And so that's where I would go in. But in the example I just gave with the person who did the show and tell, they kind of switched their, even their communications to be almost about the branding and the marketing campaign about what something is like, so it has to be flipped. So it's always about the, you know, how is this going to benefit them? How is it going to benefit the organization? And just to, again, invite them, involve them, and Mm -hmm. also ask for this. If they're not there, if there are other participants that are a part of this, use their influence to get that feedback Mm -hmm. back to the stakeholder. We use Miro. I know you use Miro, but like Mm -hmm. when we have sessions that use that, inevitably people go, oh my God, this was like the best, like we just made more progress in here than we have in however many months or doing something. So you know, they say like a picture's worth a thousand words, but a mural or a mural is worth a thousand meetings or a hundred meetings. Like you could just make so much more progress by breaking out and involving people that they can't get distracted by all the other things around them. They're involved. And mm-hmm. then when they're having fun or it's something that's enjoyable, they become believers and advocates for that. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with you. And I think that that's a great marriage, Maureen, between what you're talking about and what Connie is talking about, right? You know, so those cheerleaders that Connie has dug up and found, they can help push the people who are unsure and uncertain in your group. And then together, when they can see how the ideas are unfolding, either virtually or in real life, then I think people then become more open because they see it happening right in front of their eyes, right? And I think that's what you're saying, Maureen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So then it's getting them into the room. All right, so now, you know, we get them into the room. And how is it then that we're going to say, we're going to do something different? And here's when I'm looking through the chat here. Yes, Kendra, involve them early, intentionally scope everyone's participation. I like that. It is all about, let's back up just one second, because it is about communication, isn't it? How are we communicating what we want to achieve? What's your communication plan? You know, so if we are really going to try something different, like what we did in the last chat, which was the TRIZ which is sort of reverse engineering your problem. It's what are we going to stop doing, right? So that was that whole exercise around what is it that we want to accomplish and how are we getting in our own way? What is it that we need to stop doing? That's a hard exercise for people because then you're asking them to be vulnerable in a room where they are really saying, okay, yes, I do this. I talk over people. I interrupt people or yeah, I have a tendency to be negative when I should be positive. That puts people in a very vulnerable spot. So now how are we communicating that? So I think that's a big area also that we need to probably focus on. Right, Stacey, if you're not the one who they trust, uh, yeah, right, trust and credibility. That's very true. So I, if you're new to an organization, I don't know if I would start out with that kind of an activity. That probably wouldn't benefit you. Yeah. Enjoyable plus advocacy equals success. Oh, Donna, look at you on fire. I like that. I was inspired by Connie. (laughs) Go Connie, go Connie. At times a bull in a china shop and at times tender Mifflin versions. I've done the bull in a china shop. 
in my younger years, it didn't work out so well for me. And I think that's where I learned that communication really is important, you know, before we go into these sorts of things and get people on board and influence them. And I'm curious here with Joyce. So Joyce in the chat, the issue I have is that the department within the whole company is new and corporate hasn't really explained how training is supposed to work with other departments. So it's hard to get buy-in when they don't know what the department actually does. Okay. All right, group. What do we say to that? Well, if somebody, if the department was formed, so somebody must care about the department. Mm -hmm. So I would start there. Who wanted that department and help bring it about and Mm -hmm. then try to expand from there? I don't know. That's just my first thought. I think that's a great first thought. You're right. Somebody somewhere cared. Stalk your prey. Pardon me? (laughs) I love it. Stalk Stalk your prey. Your prey. So if they don't know what you can do, you have to find opportunities to show them what you can do, even if it's just a little small something, something, right? And you build on that win and you build on that win. And all of a sudden, now you're helping. And this person goes to that person. And you're almost generating a word of mouth. So when I say stalk your prey, it's like find out what's important to some of these individuals, what initiatives they have going on. We went through the same thing, right? They're thinking, everybody's just thinking, oh, safety training. But there's so many levels of training, facilitation, right? Even speeches that our people give at conferences. It's like, they had no idea that the people in our department are like well-versed in helping you do that until you help the one. And they're like, oh, you guys do that? Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Learning, development. We're kind of like in the face of people. We're really good at this stuff. So that's why I meant by stalk your praise. Find your opportunities. And, and it could be hanging out around the water cooler and just listening to what people are saying and be like, interject. Mm-hmm. Thus, a little bit of my bull in a china shop. It's like bust your way into the conversation. I like that. I like that. And there is a lot of value to that approach as well. I would also build on that, Douglas, is if your organization doesn't quite know what training is supposed to be doing, this is a great place to start. So a a creative problem-solving sort of session can help ideate the direction that the department needs to go in. It can help filter priorities. It can help you understand what the business goals are. What are the pain points, right? What are the things that need to be addressed? And you can take a creative problem-solving approach to that. And when you do it that way, what a great way to start out, right? So you're not doing something that is, well, let me put out a survey, you know, something that is really different and people can then see your value right then and there, you know, and your passion for, you know, uncovering what needs to happen. You also start beginning that, that collaborative attitude that you're Mm -hmm. trying to generate, right? We understand your problem here. How can I help? Let me be a part of your solution or help you get it to the next level then the questions that you were bringing up earlier, Shannon, right? What are your end results? And then I, I love the uh, the earlier one. How did that work for you? Did you get everything out of it that you wanted? What would you do different? How can I help you get there? Right. And then that all goes to 
back to a needs analysis, right? So that's your needs analysis question is, well, have we done that before and did it work? So we put out training, we put out training again. How's that working for you? It ain't working. Okay, so now let's take some creative problem solving techniques and make that work for us, right? And again, it's showing interest. It's showing involvement. It's showing that you are supporting them in the areas in which they feel they need help. I think that's all great. Any other ideas from you as how can we move stakeholders from that confused stage where they don't know if they want to be involved with doing something different to moving them maybe even up a notch? Let's say, I don't know if I want to participate in this. I'm perfectly happy with the way that we do things now. Why do we need to go and do something creative? How do you even get them to move from one part to another part? And so we've talked about finding those cheerleaders. We talked about communicating in general. Are there any other sorts of ideas that you all might have that might get stakeholder involvement on a greater level? We've just done this in a way at my company is that we did informational interviews with a lot of people in order to build consensus and find out what everybody agrees on that we need and what they don't agree on. And eventually we'll have a proposal to take to the executive committee and see if it gets approved or not. But I think we did like 20 interviews and I think doing all those interviews will help us if it gets approved because We've got advocates because we asked their opinion. Yeah. People want at least to be asked. I think that's a big part of it. People are naturally going to rebel against something that they don't feel as though they are a part of. You know, so you didn't ask me, so I'm not going to give you my support. So go on with you. You know, so I think that that happens a lot. And then also, I like Maureen. You're absolutely right about that, Maureen. And we've talked about that changing the way that we approach language many times in our gatherings here with the chat. And perhaps it is. Let's not call it creative problem solving. I'm calling it that here. Maybe we need to call it something else there. So maybe it's just problem solving. Maybe it's something else. You know, is there another word that we can put there? I think even ideation is a little squirrely, you know, for a lot of stakeholders. You know, so what are other words then that we can use? We're on a fact-finding mission. Let's get together, figure it out. I like that, Jason. Thank you. Any other suggestions? What else would you call it? Learning detectives. Your 20 bucks is in the mail. That introduces our next Learn Something New topic with Kevin Yates, the L&D detective. We're running a Labor Day special, by the way. Revenue growth from increased training. Yeah, okay. Just look for reactions. What does your gut say? Yeah, okay. You know, I I love that a lot, Donna. Let me tell you why revenue growth from increased training. I think if we put it into language, the areas that are important to them, if you can slide in, let's gather to talk about revenue growth, ideas for revenue growth, or ideas for decreasing safety incidences. You know, so I think if you even just put in there, we're going to gather to generate ideas or generate, you know, thoughts around XYZ and it directly meets their business pain point, I think they're in. Yeah. And to Sarah's point, yeah, looking for the reactions and it might take some playing. So to Sarah's point, I think it might take some playing with some of these words and seeing what their reactions are overall. Do a little A-B testing with your 
your conversations with the stakeholders. <laughs> All right. So the next bit is we got people in the room. Okay. So you've got your stakeholders in the room of various levels. Here's the other thing is that I've recommended this in the past, still do, is that you get a variety of people in the room, right? You get potential end users. You have managers. You might have some people who, you know, directors, et cetera. So you have all versions of people in the room. Okay, so now that you have all versions of people in the room, what are some of the guardrails? I'm going to refrain from saying rules because this is about being creative, you know. So what are some of the guardrails that we can put it up that's going to help people from bouncing against the walls? What techniques have you used in the past? Had people almost immediately draw (laughs) on paper a picture of their kind of superhero trait or what they brought to the session. Like what was their like strength they were bringing. And so then, you know, so that we were immediately in a way, okay, that was felt kind of uncomfortable. We don't often draw. I want you to know that's probably going to be the most uncomfortable you'll feel today, but it also sets the stage or tone that it's different from other sessions that they're in. Mm-hmm. And so in our introductions, then we're sharing what our superpowers are. And then that's up on the wall and you immediately get to know people at a deeper level than you would if it was just like, hi, my name's this, I've been in this role, I've been with the company for this long, blah, blah, blah. Like nobody Beyond, remembers. Right. But you remember those superpowers. And it gets people also to think about like, yeah, I am here for a reason. And I want to make mm-hmm. sure I share those strengths with other people. So it's not about your rank. It's not about your band level or whatever. It's about you're here for a reason and you're contributing your different perspective, but always for the design session, we're focused on the, how might we? And so we're really talking about like our purpose for being there, but also have things time boxed that the agenda is like pretty fast moving so that it's not like, you know, it goes down all these rabbit holes and everybody's talking about it. It's like, Nope, here's what we're doing. We're generating this, you know, you get people up also and like, we're going to move around today or, you know, have a buddy or whatever. You just set the ground rules. And again, people don't have time then to be thinking about what's happening outside because they're so involved Mm -hmm. and so engaged in what's happening. And then also it accelerates getting to a place that it would take so many meetings where you stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. You get into a groove and just really start to think differently. I love all of that. <laughs> I especially like the idea of drawing your superhero power. Yeah, your superpower. Because, yeah, because that's going to put different in a different mindset. And while you may have a director or maybe a senior leader or something like that in the room, Sometimes people get intimidated by that person. And then also from that person's point of view, they're only seen from I'm a, you know, the director of sales or the VP of sales perspective. They're not really thought of as being a human, you know, who has also different skill sets to bring to the table. And I think it sort of democratizes it, doesn't it? It puts people on the same level where it's like, okay, I, here's my give, here's my ask. And Now, this is where we can see each other. And then also, I think it might be great, wouldn't it, if you even put it up on a wall that said, you know, Maureen's 
superpower is communication. And so if we have something around communication, we can go, okay, Maureen, your superpower, what are your ideas? And you can draw from that. I think that that would be really cool to be able to do. And then I also like Donna in the chat here, micro talk. Is that the same as like a time box or, you know, just making sure people stick to a, you know, a topic? Treat it like a game show and I have a buzzer when they get off topic, just so nobody feels like it's rude. And I'm the world's worst at getting off topic as I'm doing right now. But yeah, but but keeping the energy going and avoiding those people who they don't really have anything to contribute, but they want you to hear their story. They want to be heard, but they're not really necessarily adding value, as lovely as that story might be. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you when you keep the conversation going, it goes back to Maureen's point, right? It's keeping that energy so people are not thinking about what emails am I missing? Yes. Right. Because that's really where we don't want them thinking about that. So anything that we can do to keep the ideas flowing and engaged in that, then the better off we are. Let's see. Donna Scheel, to help accelerate the process, have them think or share ideas before the meeting. Let me ask you this, Donna, if you don't mind. So a lot of times I think we do this we ask people to share their ideas before a meeting or fill out something, fill out a form or share something before a meeting, and then nobody does it. So how do you get people to actually engage in that activity? I've never had a problem. And actually, I use it because everyone's so engaged in the meetings that we have to have them. Uh, I think it was Donna Smith who was saying about going off topic, right? You have to force yourself. That's what I usually encounter. So I found by letting them know this is what our goal is, and these are the topics we're going to discuss. The introverts, we have several, we're in title insurance, so a lot of heads down thinkers don't necessarily like to talk out loud unless they've had time to think about it. So that gives them the time to process. So I have not had that happen where they get to the meeting not willing to share. Now, the post-it note comment I just made the opposite happens is the ease, the extroverts tend to just talk, 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 and the eyes don't. And so I don't know if you've ever used that post-it note where everyone gets post-it notes, no one talks, but for five minutes, they brainstorm mm-hmm. their ideas. And mm-hmm. We put them up on the board. That way everyone has a voice. So I apologize, Shannon. I don't have an answer to what do you do when no one wants to participate. I just haven't had that happen. No, that's that's fine. And I think we can learn from that as well. I think what you're saying here is that one, it's part of the culture, it's part of your practice. So people understand that as being part of the practice, and so subsequently they do it. Perhaps that's something that anyone who struggles with this can learn from. It's if you try it once and nobody does it, and you try it twice and nobody does it, we have a tendency to give up on it. You know, so maybe it's about tenacity on our end, you know, so it's insisting, you know, that we do this right? And I like the idea too, Donna. Thank you for bringing it up with, you know, the post-it notes. That's also another creative brainstorming technique. And it kind of goes along the lines with crazy eights. If those of you are familiar with crazy eights, you know, where you fold up a piece of paper into eight quadrants and then you write your ideas or you make your drawings on eight different quadrants. You have that moment where you're just dropping eight different ideas all at once. And then you put those ideas up on a board and everybody sees everybody's ideas. And I think those opportunities, as well as what Don is talking about, as far as like pre-ideas, it does help those people who have a tendency to want to think. 
there are processors out there, you know, and we're respecting their process. And I think that's another way that you get people to buy in and gain interest and also help influence what happens in the room. When we respect each other's process, each other's thinking process, I think that's a big one. And so, Don, I think even though you said you weren't helpful, you were helpful. What else can we do to set guardrails to help people free up, I guess, their creative thoughts and to really contribute? So, Stacy here, having a way to collect their thoughts in writing before or after helps get the ideas out so they don't feel like they have to talk through it all on the spot. Right. That's kind of what we were just talking about. Would you like to expand on that? Uh, what was being said earlier is right along the same lines, but even after the meeting, people will be sometimes on the spot in a way that they might have ideas, but they're not fully formed yet. And they're sort of talking through them and it's sort of clumsy and, you know, they haven't really had time to sit and think about it. So giving them like a form or like a collection, you know, some sort of collection mechanism that gives them pointed questions like, what do you think about blank? Or what is your issue about blank? We're actually doing that right now with a project that we're working on. And it's, okay, we talked a little bit about some of your issues in this like kickoff meeting. And, you know, of course, when you start talking about issues, it's software, you know, and everybody's got something to say about this software doesn't work. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do that. Well, this meeting is not really the best time to just bring up all the small gripes, but let's get them out onto a, a form and then we'll start sorting them and then we'll start looking at them and then we'll try and figure out what to tackle first and have a more pointed discussion about those things, you mm -hmm. know, in the next subsequent meetings. But And I like that. And oftentimes I, especially if I have a very, very specific goal for a meeting, oftentimes I'll tell people, this is what we are not talking about today. Just so you know, these topics are not on the board, you know, but I like your idea there, Stacey. But if you have comments about this, about XYZ, because I know that it's a burning thing in your brain, write it down and we'll talk about it either at the next meeting or what have you. Right. So I like that idea a lot. And then um, I saw Kendra here opposing roles and have them debate a topic based on their assignments to solicit all possibilities. That's interesting. That's interesting. So Kendra, talk to me about that. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a change management person. So in change management and also what I found myself doing in L&D is kind of what I think you guys were probably testing out in your last coffee chat is, you know, what is going to be great about this solution or about this end goal and what is going to fail miserably. And so it makes it a little bit freer because it's not attached to your personal position. It's more just what are all the possibilities? I like that when we're teaching uh, specific processes or, you know, performance, etc. Often debate comes into it. That's a great exercise, you know, just in general, you know, let's debate the merits of X and Y and see what comes out of it. But I think that this could be a fun exercise just in general, you know, for our creative problem solving techniques is to get in there and see what might be some issues that yet need to be uncovered, right? And so when you do this sort of debate format, you might find something in there that made you go, oh, that was unexpected. Okay, how do we address that? You know, so that could be really fun and interesting. So thank you for that, Kendra. All right, so now where I'd like to go is 
kind of piggybacking on what Stacy was talking about is the follow-up. So now that we've got stakeholder involvement, we had people participating in the meetings. Now here's really the so what, now what? How are we going to now follow up on this? We have all of these ideas and maybe you even have something, you have one idea that you all landed on and we're going to move that forward. What's the communication with that? Communicate it seven ways. Okay, Kendra. I'm guessing I'm not alone here and that like it it felt like when we all went home for COVID, um, the expectations of like productivity really increased and those have not recalibrated since some of us have gotten pulled back into the office. And so there's like this mind share, this like cognitive real estate that's very limited and has like a lot of competing priorities. So at least at my organization, if we don't review it before for alignment, before we all disconnect, we don't send it out via summary, via email. If there's some sort of illustration that breaks it down clearly, who's expected to do what before and if there's an interdependency there for somebody else to do something, then reminders and follow-ups and meetings for the meetings. It seems like that's unfortunately part of our cultural norms these days. I see where you're headed with that. And it's like that old marketing thing, right? We have to tell somebody 10 times, right, before the message gets across. What I think I'm hearing you say is communicated in a variety of different times and also in a variety of different ways. So can we, we communicate it through, here's our email message, but then also here's a picture perhaps of the flip charts that we created. Or here's a PowerPoint that shows all the different points that we discussed or, or what have you. Is that? Yeah, communicating it. Yeah, packaging up that understanding in several different formats and vehicles, but also aligning on what the expectation was or what we thought we agreed on before we, we make that assumption and move forward. And I think it has to be short. I, I don't think we need to put out a 50-page report on this. For sure. That- Yeah, that no one's going to read. So I appreciate it where you can go, here's an email and maybe it's you giving a three-minute summary, you know, a little video if they want to watch that. And then also here's, again, here's pictures. And I've done this before is I take pictures of the different flip charts and then just post them somewhere. Either it could be in that email or it could be in a Slack channel or wherever. That might be helpful. So what else can we do, Donna, Shield? Some of you have mentioned about the cultural norms, and it's so interesting. I haven't been with this company very long, and I went to headquarters in Houston, and we're in a meeting, and there's a lot of us new people, and they were talking about, yeah, we should do this, yeah, we should do that, but no one was ever saying, who's going to do this, and by when are they going to do it? Thank you. So me and this other gentleman kind of looked at each other, and he got up on the whiteboard. He goes, so what did we commit to? And he he wrote it on the whiteboard, so people were seeing are we all in agreement? This is what we're going to do. And they said, who's going to do this? And then he put, and by when? So it's really not taking for granted that that stuff happens because I thought it did all the time, but it doesn't. So it's just making sure everyone's clear on what we agreed on, who's doing what and by when. But then, follow up with my middle name, then someone has to be accountable and then hold others accountable. Like, okay, who's the point on this project or whatever? And then following up with everyone um, on the progress that we're making, if there is progress to be made versus a one and done type thing. So 
there might be a variation of a racy chart at the end. Not that you're getting all, you know, an hour into it, but it simply could be who's going to be responsible for this, who's going to be accountable for that, who do we need to communicate with, right? And so just really, just really quickly, that's a huge miss. You know, when we have these sorts of meetings, people want to know, okay, now what? Am I supposed to do something? Am I supposed to take action on something with somebody else? What are the next steps? And I think we drop the ball on that a lot. And not just us as L&D people, but I think business meetings in general drop the ball on that a lot. You know, so I think having that process in place is a good one. Any other ideas that we can do for follow-up? What about status updates? How should we handle that? We put things into a ticketing system, just like the IT people. We all share oh, the same okay. ticketing system. Create a ticket, you know, a project ticket, and everybody sees, you know, the, whatever the posts are. This is, you know, this information has been updated, or everybody check their, you know, task list, or, you know, whatever's going on, whatever type of project it is. But that has worked pretty well. Our, our project managers and the IT side, they all use that along with Smartsheet. They keep everything in like a project plan in the smart sheet. Depends on how complex the project is, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or something as simple as even a Google Sheet or a Google Doc that's live, you know, where people can see what progress has been made. And, you know, you can send an email out, you know, status update Monday or status update Wednesday or something. That's something really short that at least lets people know that their ideas have legs you know, that they've contributed to something that is really making a difference somewhere. Excellent. I've got a lot of good ideas here. Yeah. Oh, a visual dashboard. Yep. And you can do those visual dashboards on a variety of different tools, right? You don't even have to have anything special or expensive or anything. All right. Excellent. I love all of this. And so hopefully now the idea is that I've given you all of these different resources between blog post number one and blog post number two. So you've got resources, not to mention all the different sorts of techniques that were incorporated in liberating structures, which I think is like 16 of them. And then in the last blog post, you have different ideas for guardrails, such as making sure that you're creating that safe environment for people, right? And, you know, what, what do we do when we disagree? So what are some general rules around consensus? So that is all in there. And I'll add some of your ideas there as well. So I'll update that blog post and then as well as the follow-up. So I've also put in some ideas there for following up. And I'll add the different things that we've talked about here to that blog post. So now you have a big giant resource for if you want to start creative problem solving, and I think you should, Because this is where we're really going to get some different innovative thoughts. Because, you know, like I said, we have these problems and these problems have been there forever. Every organization has these old issues, but we're not going to solve those old issues with the same mindset that created those issues. We have to think differently about it. And this is the way that you can start. And is there a way to receive the, you know what? Yes, we have the recording from part one, Donna, we do. But it was a lot of breakout rooms. So I don't know exactly how beneficial that is going to be, but the recording is, it's actually on the website right now. So if you go to Learning Rebels 
resources, coffee chat, it should be there. It's going to come down, though, here in the next 24 to 48 hours, so you might want to boogie and jump on that. Those of you in the community, of course, this is a good lead into the community. Those of you who are a part of the Learning Rebels community, these resources are accessible 365, 24-7. You have full access to all of the Coffee Chat resources within the community. And also, if you're a Community Plus member, you get all of the Learn Something New events for free as well as all the resources. So there you go. And speaking of the next Learn Something New, the next Learn Something New, Kevin Yates, the L&D detective, he's going to be doing his version, an hour and a half version of walking us through performance measurement. And it's going to be really interesting. He works us through an actual scenario about how to measure performance, the questions that you need to be asking, how to get stakeholder involvement, et cetera. And that's all on our next Learn Something New. And as I said, we have a Labor Day special going on for that. So you're going to be the Holmes to his Sherlock. So Holmes 15 gets you 15% off of. And Douglas is like, oh, now I get it. That's it. See, it's (laughs) your inside version to how Shannon's brains work. Why did she make the promo code Holmes? That's why. All right. Oh, and then also don't forget, we started our new intensive. So Learning Rebels Intensives, the next one is with Myra in October. And that's two hours of you guys building an actual chatbot and building different AI tools. So that's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. So be sure to check that out on the events page. So who's doing something fun this weekend? This evening, I will be flying to North Carolina to see my sister. Oh, that's great. How long has it, had, has it been a while since you've seen her? Yeah, probably a year, something like that. Very nice. Well, I hope you have a lot of fun with that. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. It's always interesting to have a conversation around creativity because one man's creative thinking is another man's waste of time. So how do we get everyone on the same page? How can we get our teams and our stakeholders to buy into the idea of thinking creatively? There were lots of ideas floating around, but I think the big takeaway is to once again, consider your audience. People may shy away if you say the words creative problem solving, Perhaps we simply call it a problem-solving session or a discovery meeting. I think it's true that people will tune out when they hear the words brainstorming or ideation because those types of sessions have been, in the past, poorly conceived and facilitated. Let's just say the trust is low. So we may need to take a new approach to rebuilding the trust factor. From the concept of micro-talks to question reframing, there was a lot of information shared and the resources can be found in the show notes below. I know you will be able to find at least one idea to implement today. Well, you wanna join us live? And I know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com, check out the events page and sign on up. And while you're there, 
Don't forget to check out the Learning Rebels community where you can have an opportunity to build your knowledge and connect with other cool L&D professionals. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now. Bye for now.